We are so excited to be partnering with Marco Polo. Marco Polo is a video chat app that brings you closer to the people you love the most. Connection is a big factor in why we started doing the podcast, and this app has allowed us to connect with many of you and continue the conversation. Our listeners will get a free two-month pass for Marco Polo Plus. Just download the free version of the app, click on the link in our show notes, and it will upgrade your account, giving you access to double speed, the notepad, and other awesome perks. Happy poloing! We're your hosts, Dana and Kara, and this is From the Mouths of Babes. Happy anniversary to Kara and Trevor and Dana and Luke. Woohoo! Coming at you with an anniversary episode. I forgot we had the same Happy anniversary. anniversary. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Another cool thing is Kara and Trevor's initials are CTR and Luke and I's initials are LDS. <laughs> There you go. We're just <laughs> straight, just Trevor's face. <laughs> That's a Charlotte face. Oh. Hey, we're trying to share this Charlotte face. Yeah, yeah, it's freezing in here. House, this struggles. Trying to get busy under that blanket. Oh. It's late, Dana. Going on the episode. Nobody knows now. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Sorry, over. Um, how long? What anniversary number are you guys coming up on? Twelve. Twelve, and we're coming up on seven. That's crazy. Huh. Didn't know we were better than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for this week's episode, we it's are so going to. <laughs> start uh, we're gonna be talking about the languages of love great guys <laughs> what is wrong with you what are we supposed to say to that i, don't, I thought you were gonna continue like yeah, yeah well, i'm getting going. there okay but did you want us to go like Woo! yes Okay. Um, in our last, ep- one of our last episodes, we had David and Tessa come on and we briefly touched on this, um, as we talked about mental health and communication. And, um, so we figured we would dedicate a whole, a whole episode to love languages as we all celebrate our, uh, family love. birthdays. Yeah. Family birthdays. That's good. Okay. Is that what an anniversary is a family birthday? Yeah, apparently. Like yeah. Yeah, actually, our when we got married, the person who officiated our, our wedding, the uh sealer is what they're called. Um, he at the end, when Luke and I it was just us in the room where we got married and we were looking at they have mirrors on both sides. They have one mirror in front of you and one mirror behind you. And so essentially it makes this like reflection where you can see yourself forever and ever and ever and it's a beautiful representation of 
being married and um, being together forever. But one of the things that he said was to make this day um, special and celebrate like with your family because it's the official like creation of, of your family. And that's always stuck with me. And so actually the other day on our little whiteboard calendar, I have a little heart that's on the 27th and Sawyer was like, Oh, what, why do we have a heart on there? Is it Valentine's day? And I was like, Oh no, that that's the day that mommy and daddy got married. And, um, you know, she was trying to understand why that was an important day. And I was like, well, it was, it's, you know, the start of our family. It's our happy birthday to our family. And she was pretty stoked about that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What'd you say? So we might have to get a cake or something. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But all that to say, so Luke and I, over the past, I don't know, it's been a couple months, um, went on a journey of discovering our love languages. And um, it kind of just happened organically one night for Luke when he was journaling. And he kind of started having these epiphanies of, well, Go ahead. It's not that organic. We've read the book. <laughs> I found the book. Oh, said true. we should read the five long languages. Oh. <laughs> so maybe it was organic that I thought we should read it, but that's how it all started. It I didn't really... realize you had already started the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we he had started reading the five love languages book and then he invited me to read it. Yes. And why was that so impactful for you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'm trying to think of why I even said, why I started to read that book is kind of random. Uh, well, I've only recently in the last couple years got into reading in general. Um, and I don't, I honestly can't remember why I thought that would be a good book to read, but I think I was just kind of, generally I'm either reading a sports book or like a business history book. And I think I just wanted to switch. So I, I, I have no idea why, but I read that book. So I don't know what prompted it. And it was really interesting. It's well-written. It's super easy to read. It's, what are you looking at, Kara? Nina, she's doing weird things with her feet. I had a foot cramp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very easy to read and very applicable, all of those things. So, and I started to enjoy it. So I asked Dana too. And I think the reason I liked it, even before I, because I actually went in thinking my love language was something different than it was. But so even before I realized what it mine was, it just was a, I felt like a good thing for, not that we have had a bad marriage by any means, but we had been talking more about like being more open about what we were feeling and things we that were frustrating us even like small things but like oh let's just be more open about what we're feeling so i think that, that kind of led into that book and yeah that was the start of it yeah something that luke and i do already that's been really helpful in our marriage is on sundays we like check in and we talk about the different areas of our life you know so we'll talk about parenting we'll talk about um, sex we'll talk about how we're doing personally how we're doing spiritually um 
we do like our budget. Um, and I feel like that was a good way for us to start having open dialogue about how we were doing and what our needs were. Um, but then I think reading the five love languages book made it more clear, um, specifically the way that he phrases it, um, the author of the book, he talks about like having your love tank filled and you can receive love and feel love with every love language, but one of them is going to stand out. And I think one of the questions that we had to ask ourselves was with this specific language is my, does this fill my love tank? And I think when we asked that question, we were able to get a lot more clarity on how we receive love and what that looks like. And um, sometimes it's a little still unclear to me. I still feel like I'm trying to figure it, figure it out, like how I receive love, um, because I feel like so much changes based on mm -hmm. circumstances where I am in my cycle, you know, there's lots of things that contribute to that so I'm sure that's a little more frustrating for Luke since it's not like a one-size-fits-all but yeah but I think the most fascinating thing from the book or takeaway which I think everyone intuitively knows this but hearing examples of it in the book and then being able to see examples of it in your own life where you can have two people that legitimately love each other or are completely in love with each other and one person is trying to express it in one way that they think is completely like, I am expressing love. I'm actually trying here. I'm trying. And the other person is looking for something else completely. Like it could be somebody is like, I am serving my wife every day. I'm doing the dishes and I bring home flowers or I like give her time with the kids or something like that, which are all like fantastic things. And then the spouse could think my husband doesn't love me at all. And it's because he's not telling her he loves her or saying, Hey, that food was great. Like he's not giving words of affirmation. So he's not inherently doing like, he's trying to love her, but it's not in the way that she needs. So it's almost like she doesn't even notice those things or they just don't mean as much to her. So that was, I think that was the biggest takeaway of how often that can happen for anybody. And then we start noticing it in like shows too, where it's like, Oh, these two people in love is blind, love each other. And they just aren't speaking each other's love languages or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the biggest takeaway that I had from the book of, yeah, I think we've just rambled a lot on our end here. <laughs> what do you guys think? Oh, I agree. I mean, I think that that's the, the biggest thing is that until you learn what somebody else's love language is, you're always going to love them the only the way you know how to love or, or how you want to be loved. And so you have to have that open communication and you have to be as a partner willing to hear that, that like maybe that you have to change a little bit, which can be uncomfortable. I think it's hard to hear like, oh, you're not loving me the way that I want to be loved. And that, that sounds harsh, but it's, it's not. And it's getting to that point where you can communicate. And I think that that's when you get to that, like seven years of being married, that's kind of a sweet spot where you like either really open communication and like, it's a waterfall and you grow together or you fall into deeper ruts of like poor communication. I think. I think love languages can change as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that when 
we got married, I was 21 and basically still a child. And gifts were my love language as a child. And I don't feel like it changed a whole lot. So before we got married, um, Kara gave me a gift that she says she's never been able to match or beat. And it was an iPad. <laughs> and it was, it was a great gift. Um, but I look back at that now and I'm like, an iPad would be one that would be great I would appreciate that but it doesn't show that she loves me like it did back then so interesting uh, mine, mine have changed so much like when we were first married like uh physical touch barely on the list right like I had so many sensory issues and just I was really starting to be self-aware of like I don't like being touched by people and it was very very beginning of like me discovering that about myself and like and so of course I like Trevor to touch me but I didn't like put that like heaviness on it like desiring it in a certain way or saying like I just need you to hold my hand more and you know all these things but now 12 years in I'm like shoot if you don't be touching me I'm gonna be sad. <laughs> I, I'm going to be sad. I would like to be touched all the time. Thank you. Except for if the children are around, because then they'll be touching me. So don't touch me if the children are touching me. Uh, so it's just funny how much I've changed and kind of realizing how, what a flip-flop that was, was kind of weird. <laughs> it was, it was weird, but um, the foundation of me, like still loving acts of service you know like that really is a foundation for me because I feel you know my life has always felt like I had to do everything myself so when someone helps me with something it's such a huge warm glowy feeling and like flip-flop Trevor's one of his main ones is words of affirmation and that's like hard for me to give words of affirmation not because I don't know it's the way I'm wired is I'm in like a defense mode all the time. So like giving people affirmation, saying nice things to them is like letting down a wall of defense for me. So it's even hard, even with Trevor sometimes for me to like validate him the way that I know he needs, you know? So it takes effort for me to do that, to love him how he needs to be loved. Which I have two thoughts with that that are interesting. One of you guys both saying how our love language love languages can and almost certainly will change I think the like underlying message really I think from that book or just the idea of love languages is obviously if you find out your love language you have to communicate them with your spouse and as you change you have to communicate them so I think it's like communication is really like the baseline of like as you're learning them or as they're changing, I'm like, Hey, I think this is my love language. And then you tell this, your spouse to do that. They do it. It's like, Hey, actually that didn't actually do what I thought it was going to do. Let's let me, let's talk more about it like that. I think that is probably the biggest takeaway of all of it is just being able to communicate your needs, which I am, I am, that is not natural for me. So that's been one of the big takeaways. And then that it's effort. I think it's, I think that is a very common thing that someone's love language what they need is not necessarily inherently what that other person is good at and he kind of goes into that into the book a little bit of like and i really like the way he said it because i thought maybe he was gonna kind of like dance around i was like well then you guys can 
talk through it and maybe there's something else he needs. Maybe that's what I was expecting, but he was more like, well, it's your spouse and you love them. So get better at it. Try it. Like, I really appreciated that actually. It was like, he he gave an example, I think with this guy that wasn't, I don't know what it is. He didn't want to give acts of service or he didn't know. He wasn't good at saying words of affirmation, I think is what it was. And he was just like direct with him. He was like, well, do it. Your spouse wants it. Do you love her? That's what she's saying she needs. Just get better at it, even though it's hard. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciated the way he said it too. Like ultimately you're just wanting your spouse to feel loved. And if they're willing to communicate with you how that is, then just work mm-hmm. at doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and takes it, practice sometimes. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting is that I'm sure at one point or another, all of us have gotten into ruts in our relationships where, you know, we're just like roommates who exist together. And mm-hmm. I think once you put in that effort, I, I think there can be major shifts in the dynamic of your relationship. Um, but again, it, it takes work and it takes effort and it is going to require vulnerability, um, which I think can be challenging, especially when it comes to talking about how you are loved. That can be a really sensitive thing or depending on like what your needs are, maybe there's this underlying feeling of, you know, shame or, um, mistrust I think I think those are the types of things that you kind of have to work through as you're discovering what your own love languages are yeah I think one like Trevor and I doing therapy separately to work on our own personal stuff made a huge difference because how can you come to your partner and say what you need and you know if you can't even figure that out for yourself because you're just so clouded with, you know, your childhood or, you know, whatever limitations that you you have, you know, like I, one of the main reasons that get getting, receiving gifts and giving gifts was like so hard for me was because like, as a kid, like we were not, we were kind of poor. Like, so, you know, we got things that we needed for Christmas and our birthdays and, you know, they, so my, and my birthday was, conference weekend. So I always felt like I was forgotten. And so for me, wanting things was shameful and it's still something I have to work for. So receiving a gift, I'll always say, no, I don't want anything. Like I don't need anything. So if Trevor makes the effort to give me like a real gift, it's like, like I still, I still feel shame around the, the hot tub that he got me for my birthday. Just like the culmination of everything I've ever wanted in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> And I still every day have to say, it's okay for me to, to, to be given this gift. And, you know, but us like, yeah, doing that separately, it was so much more effective for us to like come together as a couple and communicate when we kind of work out our own brains first. You because know? gift giving was my love language at the beginning of the marriage. I thought that was how I, how you wanted to receive love and she just wanted practical gifts like vacuum cleaners and yeah you know well hot hot tubs are very practical (laughs) (laughs) i think another the the opposite too of how 
realizing when, so I feel like mine is words of affirmation, my love language. So if there's anything that, you know, when Luke talks to me, that sounds remotely like critical, then it feels like that also hurts more than other things, right? Because if that's how you receive love, you also perceive and feel hurt when that's taken away, right? Or if it's used as a weapon, not to say that Luke has ever used it as a weapon, but like an example is, you know, he'll, if there's, if he says something in frustration or because there's something going on with the kids, I have a tendency to be like, oh, I internalize the words that he's used and it has a tendency to deflate me. And then I, I shut down and I, and it was interesting when he pointed that out to me um, that I was able to stand back and realize like, oh, okay, if I want to, you know, fix these things, I have to be willing to communicate also when the words that he uses have negatively impacted me instead of just like shutting down. Yeah, it was and one of the if one of the things they say in the book is if you're having a hard time figuring out what your love language is, which a lot of people kind of do, or if you're like trying to like, is it this or is it this one or is it this one? He said one of the ways generally you can find out is like what hurts you the most from your spouse. And generally it's the opposite that you need or that you love. So like the example of Dana, this is a very specific example of that. I made I was getting frustrated with the kids. This was not the best Luke moment. I was getting frustrated that I thought Dana wasn't like paying attention when the kids were frustrating and I was doing stuff. And I was kind of bottling it in. And then I just made like a Dana, can you engage please comment, which was terrible. <laughs> and that like, she did that essentially like what she just said. She didn't react there, but that internalized that was, we talked about it later. I apologize. But that was part of that was she real that was one of the ways to realize like oh words of affirmation is my love language because of how painful the opposite was Mm -hmm. and we've had a similar this is a joking one um kind of but one of the ways i learned mine was one time and she said this as a joke but still like i went to initiate sex i went to go kiss her and she was like it was late at night or something she's like no 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 and she was just not in the mood (laughs) And this is well, this is well, well, well before we, we started learning about love languages, but that like immediately, even though it was like a, a joking thing for her, kind of, she really didn't want it, but like saying it that way was kind of jokingly internally, I probably put on a brave face that like, it felt the feeling of like shriveling up and being embarrassed and be like, Oh, okay. Even if she wanted to, after this, I'm done. And kind of like checking out of that rejection mode. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, six months to a year that specific moment before we did this but it was an example to me when I was trying to figure out what mine is was like wait mine is different because there's moments like that that are very small that shouldn't be as big a, they're not really that big a deal but they had they stuck with me so much that's like that means something because it's really not that big a deal but if it's sticking with me that much then that probably has a sign of like what my love language is mm-hmm. so there's moments like that of self-discovery of like oh those types of things hurt me or these types of things really make me feel like wow dana loves me and like as you think about those more and as you like experiment with your wife of between the spectrum of the love languages of like what 
what is really filling your love tank or what's really emptying your love tank is a really good way to figure out what you need and what your love language is. That's a great example. Love that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You felt rejected. No, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> Shut it down. Oh. There was an audible loud. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... no. It was like that. It was like, no. I know, which is funny because it's not that big a deal, but it really was an example. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because so I'll, be, I'll give more specifics for me. I'm not going to get into too many details here, but I thought going into the book, I thought my, my love language was words of affirmation. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. Which I think kind of the point we've all said is all of those things feel good. Being told I'm being a good father or everything is important and getting a gift shows that Dana loves me. So like everyone likes all five, but I went in thinking it was that. And then there was one night specifically. It truly, it sounds kind of weird, but this is kind of one of the things I had to learn of like, it's okay to want what I want and it's okay to be loved the way that I feel like I need to be loved. And mm -hmm. I realized as I was learning or as, yeah, as I was reading the book and learning about myself, that it was physical touch. And I realized more than physical touch, it's sexual touch. And not just, it's not just like, oh, I want to have more sex. It was like, sexual thoughtfulness is the way that I phrased it is how I actually feel loved from Dana and part of what was hard about that and I still I feel a little bit of this as we talked about still it's like almost it sounds weird and maybe it has more to do with like Mormon culture or some like embarrassing maybe a little bit to say that that was my love language be like oh yeah my love language is I want to have sex so I like I spent anyway I was struggling with that, but there was this one night specifically, I was, I, was, I was reading the book, I was going to bed, and it truly felt like legitimate revelation about myself, personal revelation about myself. It was like for an hour and a half, I, was, I would go to bed, and then I'd get this thought. And it, usually it was like moments, one of them was for the, the, one I, the example I just gave of like how I felt hurt when Dana did like the no, no, no thing, even jokingly, like that memory popped up and I wrote that down. And then there was thing like moments from like four years before or from before I met Dana, I would like lay back down and then I would have another. It was like an hour and a half of constant. I couldn't go to bed, just writing down experiences or writing down things about myself of like truly understanding more than I ever have about myself, at least in like how I want to be loved from a spouse. So it was pretty cool. I don't really know how to wrap that story, but <laughs> <laughs> I think That's it's just good to, to acknowledge me. that there should be no shame in that and yeah it's yeah, it's the yeah. one place you're not supposed to feel shame right is with that connection with your spouse that's the one place you're supposed to have sex right and the one place you're supposed to be able to feel a deeper connection and feel love in a way you can't with anybody else you know so but we do sometimes still like put that good girl, good boy syndrome in it, even years after being married, where you feel silly or, you know, communicating your needs that way. And it can be, you can still, still feel embarrassed and bashful about it. And, and that's not the place where you should have to, you know? Yeah. And I think whatever the, whatever the, whether it falls into one of the defined five love languages, or if it's like something else, like, I think the biggest, the most important thing is you get to not get to, at least that it's up to your spouse to like 
you can express how you feel loved and you should not ever feel shame about how you feel loved. And it can change, like we've said. And then if, especially if you're like exploring it and trying to figure out what it is, like, Hey, I think it's this, maybe it's not, but you should, you, everyone should feel empowered to say, Hey, that hurt me, or this feels good, or this, I love when you do that, whatever it is, especially even though it is extremely vulnerable for both sides, it is very hard to actually share what you need. And it's hard for the other person sometimes because the, a lot of times the implicit message is I'm not technically really feeling this right now. So someone can like close off and be like, mm -hmm. Hey, that's, I did this though. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, especially at the beginning can be like the natural reaction for anyone, but yeah, I think we had a conversation just like that after, you know, he had expressed what his love language was. And then, you know, with our weekly check-ins, we started asking the question of, um, you know, is how's your love tank? Like, is your love tank filled or not? And so it would, we would have conversations. And I remember thinking about like having that conversation when he said like, eh, it's kind of low. And I was like, what? How was it low? I did this, this, this for you this week. You know, how, how is that possible? And again, this, I think it can feel hard when you're giving feedback through the exploratory process. And I think you both just have to go into it knowing that, you know, you're, you're trying to figure it out and to be open to hearing feedback of, yeah, this didn't really, you know, this didn't really fill me up the way I thought it was like Luke said earlier. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest things I had to work on in my own therapy was like, it's not everything is about me. You know, if Trevor comes and tells me how he's feeling, it's not necessarily, I didn't necessarily cause that. It's, it's not always about me. You know, I, I have a tendency to get defensive and want to fix things or whatever and let anybody else in the world's choices affect me personally. And I joke about that a lot when people tell me a story and I'm like, this does not affect me directly in any way, shape or form, but I am stressed about it. Uh, so I'm still working on it, but yeah, just being able to say, yeah, Tre Trevor's uh, ability to feel loved. Or if I, you know, if his tank is not filled, it's not necessarily my fault or like, it's, I'm not a bad person. I don't have to feel shame in that. And can I add to his tank a little bit more? Yes but is it my fault that, you know, I think that's, that was anyways, my point being is that not everything is about us <laughs> when someone is coming to us and we kind of check in sometimes like, Hey, are you in a space to like, listen, just listen. Like you don't have to fix it or do anything or say anything. Just, can you hear what I have to say right now? And sometimes we say no. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. No, I'm not. Maybe next week. One thing I have learned for me, this might be a Luke specific thing, but I think is helpful for anyone is I didn't realize how often I would be thinking of things. And this isn't just specific about my love language. It could be anything in our marriage where it's like, oh, I kind of hope or wish, or it would be so nice if Dana did this, whatever this is like, oh, let me have a night or, oh, took the kids right now and I could take a nap or whatever whatever it is, often, not often, but sometimes my mind would go like, oh, that would be so nice if she did that. And then she wouldn't. And I would have this like internal thing in my head of like, oh, she didn't do that. That's a bummer. And then I'd be like, 
but you didn't say anything. You can't be mad about that. How can you be mad about something you didn't expect? But I wouldn't, I, I was not very good at expressing anything I needed ever. And so the flip of like, I can just say, Hey, like if this would be nice, whether it is like a love language thing, like, Hey, could you do this specific thing? I want that. Or like, Hey, I wish that I could take a nap today or something. Just being open about what you need instead of hoping your spouse is going to fill a need that can just lead to disappointment when it's like, they didn't know that they didn't know that you wanted that. So just being, yeah, I guess it all comes down to what we said before. You just be open with your spouse about what you need and want. Don't mind read. My love language is naps. <laughs> I need a nap every Sunday. And Luke is pretty good about, he he has almost a hundred percent batting record, <laughs> batting average. Thank you. I just the thought that's been coming to mind is that um, I, Kara was having a rough week and I, cleaned the entire kitchen for her and she came home and was like and I could tell that really meant a lot to her and so just my thought is that that's not her love language maybe it's like acts of service might be number two or three but again just other acts of other love language can fill the love tank doesn't just have to be the one yeah for sure and it doesn't just because that's how what fills their love tank the most that you like completely disregard over other things, you know, like yeah. mm-hmm. it's still nice to get gifts. It's still nice to spend quality time together. It's still nice to, you know, whatever. So, yeah. But I think it's just good to have an idea of what fills them the most. True. Just being in like noticing where the gaps are in what they might be needing at that time. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for I validate you verbally for doing that for me. <laughs> Sometimes we need each other to, we call it ooh and, ooh and ah. Mm-hmm. So we'll do something if we need the other one to validate us. We'll just say, I need you to ooh and ah for me. Yeah. Like, look, I hung up all these shelves in the garage. Come ooh and ah. Look at it. Come, come look at it. Look what I did. Ooh. Like, ooh. Ah. <laughs> yeah. You're so strong. Look at you. Look at you problem solving. I didn't even have to drill that many holes. I like got the studs on the right first time, you know? I'm confused. Is this you doing this or was this Trevor? Oh, this is me. <laughs> oh, 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 Who do you think does the drilling in this house? <laughs> me, because I'm the impatient one. I will not wait for him to come back in town. I will just do it. Oh, yeah. I will no. move the furniture. I do it. It's never straight. So, oh, that's pretty good at eyeballing things. I don't, I never really measure, but I'll eyeball. <laughs> Dana put pictures up one time above our bed. And I, I legitimately thought she's playing a prank. <laughs> What's, what is that? It's like, what do you mean? I like put the pictures up. Like they're so off. It's like they are. I couldn't, I should have taken a picture of that. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, now funny. that we're sharing funny stories. <laughs> Okay, so today we were at a fireside and Charlotte is texting me incessantly and she says that there is a scorpion in our pantry. And I said, well, put a cup or a bowl over it. She goes, absolutely not. It's going to kill me. And so she's just texting me all of these things that like... She (laughs) made her last wishes and said goodbye that the scorpion was going to kill her. Yep. (laughs) 
Uh, and then she says, I think it's mad at me because it keeps making a sound inside. It's making sounds. And yeah, she said that the boys could have her money. And you like, know, yeah, if my last will and testament. Yeah. Basically. If we don't hear from her in an hour, she's dead. And we come home. And well, she, we had her take a picture of it. And we're like zooming in on it. I'm like, that could be real. And she says it's moving and making noises. Every time she turns the light off, it moves. That's what she said. No, it was a toy. It was a <laughs> gelatinous toy from the Halloween candy. And she actually she think it was real. I don't even know. We don't know. I can't tell if she did or didn't. Pulling a prank. Or... Yeah. And I, now I just feel bullied. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes. All right. This is a simple one. So when we were in Utah, after we left your guys' house, um, Sawyer had gone to bed. It was like two hours. She had been asleep. And then she wakes up and calls out. So I go in there and she wasn't like screaming or sad. She was like being really sweet, but was really groggy and tired. She's like, dad, can you lay with me? I'm like, okay. She's like, can you get the, can you give me some water? I'm like, okay. She's asking all of it. Super sweet. I'm like, okay. Can you lay with me? Yes. It's like, can you put my blanket on? Yes. Can you scratch my back? So I start scratching her back for 15 seconds. And she's like, dad, can you scratch my back better? <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't getting the job done. But it was all so sweet. It was funny. Oh, that is cute. Well, thanks for joining us, babes. Have a great week. We hope you had a Merry Christmas. And we hope you have a Happy New Year. Bye, babes. Bye, babes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, babes.